Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Welcome to Podcast One. We hope you'll support our sponsors who bring you these podcasts absolutely free and with limited interruptions. And of course, we appreciate you listening to this show, which will get started in just a second. Since 1983, Eddie Trunk has been the voice for fans of rock, hard rock, and heavy metal. A best-selling author, host of TV's That Metal Show, and seven national radio shows, including Trunk Nation, daily on Sirius XM. Interesting. Eddie offers the world his news-making interviews, passionate analysis, honest commentary, and who knows what else. So welcome to the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Podcast1.com and iTunes. Thank you for listening, downloading, and streaming, bringing you exclusive interviews that originate from my SiriusXM show, which is daily on SiriusXM Channel 106. Channel is called Volume. The show is called Trunk Nation. Hope you join me live each and every day, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time, with the program replaying every night on Volume 106, 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern, and all shows also on demand on the SiriusXM app. And it is very, very easy to uh, listen every day. Appreciate you doing so through SiriusXM. Here on the podcast, I give you once a week a little sampling of some of the stuff that goes on on a daily basis on the volume show. And along those lines this week, a couple interviews for you, including one that was uh, very interesting and very newsworthy with Dennis DeYoung. Dennis DeYoung, of course, is the former keyboardist and lead vocalist of Styx. He's a guy that... um, is widely missed by a lot of Styx fans in that group. Even though Styx does very good business without him and has for a very long time with Lawrence Gowan in his place, obviously Dennis DeYoung cast a large shadow in Styx, and there was obviously quite a falling out there and a difference in uh, opinions and musical directions and what have you. And Tommy Shaw and Dennis DeYoung seem to show no interest in reuniting with Dennis DeYoung. However, in the interview you are about to hear on this week's podcast, Dennis DeYoung feels very differently. And what inspired this interview and this call-in was the fact that Dennis DeYoung actually found out that Styx were performing the song Mr. Roboto live. Now, why is that of interest and why is that interesting? Well, Mr. Roboto and that particular album, Kilroy Was Here is an album that was one of the things that Styx pointed to as a reason for the division with Dennis DeYoung. And the song in particular, Mr. Roboto, not considered to be one of the shining moments in Styx history, a very maligned song by a lot of people. Well, 
that was very much Dennis DeYoung. And now what happened on the current tour that Sticks is on, they put that song in their set. Of course, Dennis DeYoung is not in Sticks, and they put it in their set. So that inspired a lot of Sticks fans to say, hey, wait a minute. You guys uh, said Dennis was crazy doing this, and this was not what people wanted, and now you're playing it without him? So the Dennis DeYoung segment of Sticks fans who are hoping for a reunion took that as some sort of sign. I talked about this on my SiriusXM show the day after it happened, and Dennis DeYoung reached out to our talent department at SiriusXM and wanted to call in and talk about it. So, of course, I was willing to have him on. My door is open to all. And what you'll hear in this interview is a guy who admits at 71 years old and can still sing pretty well, he just wants one last shot with his band. And he is very much in that sort of mode. It's very revealing. It's very honest. It's very transparent that Dennis DeYoung is uh, quite content doing what he's doing, but he'd like to reclaim some of his turf with sticks and play with the band at least one last time. It's an interesting interview, and it's funny. And Dennis DeYoung has a pretty great sense of humor here. I do not know him all that well. Maybe met him once, maybe interviewed him one other time before. But it was quite an enjoyable interview, and you can take away from it what you will. I will play it for you, and you will hear it in a minute. First of two interviews this week. We're stacked this week. Second interview was with Robin Zander of Cheap Trick. Cheap Trick have released a new single. Robin Zander, at the time that we did this interview, was performing in a show on Broadway that Dee Snyder also did called Rocktopia. So we talk a little bit about that, which has now since happened, and also a little bit about Cheap Trick with a guy who is literally ageless, both in his look and his ability to sing, and that is Robin Zander in the second part of a big double-dip interview on this week's Eddie Trunk podcast. First, Dennis DeYoung, brand-new interview talking about his love of and desire to possibly rejoin Sticks, although I don't think the other side feels that way. And also Robin Zander, who has been an enduring fixture in Cheap Trick since day one. And some fun with Robin in the second part of our two-part Eddie Trunk podcast this week. Remember, we're getting close now, you guys. I have a brand new TV show. It debuts July 1st on Access TV. It is called Trunk Fest, me covering music festivals around the country. The first episode is from Sturgis. It is July 1st, the big premiere, and it airs each and every Sunday night, 9.30, 8.30 Central on Access TV. Spread the word. Check it out. I think you're going to love it. Trunk Fest on Access TV, premiering July 1st, 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Everything going on with me, all my appearances, everything going down on the homepage of eddytrunk.com. Be sure to follow on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at Eddie Trunk. Appreciate you doing so, and it's the best way to keep up with everything I have going, especially on Twitter, again, at Eddie Trunk. Upcoming appearances, July 1st, I'm in Hollywood, Florida at the Seminole Hard Rock hosting Poison and Cheap Trick, 13th in Tulsa at the IDL Ballroom hosting Dokken, back there again on the 28th of July where I will host a free show with Bisto Blanco, other stuff going on, 
Again, keep an eye on the social media outlets for more. And if you shop on Amazon, do it at Amazon.com slash shop slash Eddie Trunk. Dennis DeYoung first, followed by Robin Zander on this week's Eddie Trunk podcast coming up. The Eddie Trunk Podcast. Hey, so take a moment to think about your undies. I know it sounds a little bit weird, but your first thought probably isn't they're awesome, which is why I want to tell you about me undies. They're comfy, awesome undies that'll make you feeling good from the moment you put them on. And when you feel good, anything is possible. Me undies are made with a material sustainably sourced from beechwood trees. Their naturally soft fiber makes a fabric that won't sag down or ride up. Trust me, once you put on a pair, you'll get it. With Me Undies, you can get undies sent right to your door. No more hunting around for the perfect pair at a crowded store and eventually settling for something that's, well, let's just say good enough. You definitely want to try them out. You're going to love them. Still not sure? Well, listen to this. Me Undies has a deal for my listeners. First time purchasers get 20% off their first pair of Me Undies and free shipping. That's 20% off plus free shipping and a guarantee that you and your Me Undies will be very happy together. Get your butt over to MeUndies.com and treat yourself. To get your 20% off your first order, free shipping, and a 100% satisfaction guarantee, go to MeUndies.com slash trunk. That is MeUndies, M-E-U-N-D-I-E-S dot com slash T-R-U-N-K. MeUndies.com slash trunk, 20% off your first pair, free shipping, and 100% satisfaction guaranteed. Hey humans, David Smalley here from the Dogma Debate Podcast, right here on Podcast One, where we talk about all the things you're not supposed to discuss at work, religion, politics, abortion, racism, slavery, and that's only when we open the Bible. We discuss Islam, Islamophobia, what does that even mean? We chat with vegans, animal rights activists, and even visit factory farms to see it for ourselves. I invite people from multiple backgrounds to convert me into their worldview. But as long as they're okay with being respectfully challenged, you better bring your evidence. And I never lose sight of how both the left and the right are seeming to lose their minds. So basically, we're solving all the world's problems right here on Dogma Debate. And you've been missing it. Download Dogma Debate on iTunes, Stitcher, or PodcastOne.com. Hey guys, appreciate it if you help out my podcast and help it to stay free by... A uh, very, very, very simple thing. We we want to minimize ads and we want to make it always free to download. And all we ask you to do is fill out a survey. And the responses will help align the appropriate advertisers to my audience. Survey is short. It's completely anonymous. It takes no more than five minutes. And there are two easy ways to begin the survey. One is you go to podcastone.com slash my survey or go to podcastone.com and click on the survey banner. Even if you've done a survey before, we ask that you do it again and we really appreciate it. All of us here at the Eddie Trunk Podcast and Podcast One, we appreciate you helping us out. It supports the show. It helps to uh, make it more targeted towards you, minimize ads, and keep it free. So again, podcastone.com slash my survey, or just go to podcastone.com, which you probably already do, and hit the survey banner. This is the Eddie Trunk Podcast.
Eddie Trunk back with you on this week's Eddie Trunk podcast. Uh, my first interview coming up a little bit later, Robin Zander of Cheap Trick. But this first interview, I really think you're going to enjoy. Dennis DeYoung reached out about coming on my radio show to talk about Sticks playing Mr. Roboto suddenly in their set list and his desire to rejoin the band. It's an engaging interview. It's a funny interview. I think you're going to like it. Dennis DeYoung, formerly of Sticks, our first of two interviews on this week's Eddie Trunk podcast. Hey, Dennis, how are you? Eddie, can I tell you a quick story before we get started? Of course. Yesterday, yesterday, I get this email late from a friend of mine up in Canada, Paul Jessup. He used to run Universal Music up there. And he said, he sent, me the, he sent this email. He said, Dennis, you've been instructed to report to a trunk in an alley in Brooklyn. And I thought, oh, no, I'm late on the big on my gambling debts, and the boys are coming to break my legs. But then I saw it with you, Eddie Trunk. <laughs> And I, and I screamed, hallelujah, sweet Jesus, Eddie Trunk is finally going to talk to me. And I began weeping openly. <laughs> and, I jumped for, and I jumped for joy. And then she moved on. I hit my head on the toilet seat. <laughs> Dennis, That's you're always God, welcome. You're always welcome on this show, man. It's great to have you. Well, it's good to be had. How are you? Okay. Where are you right now? Are you on the road? Are you home? What are you doing? I'm uh, I'm off the road for a couple of days, and we go back out on uh, Friday and Saturday. You know, I'm like a weekend warrior. I play like 50, 60 shows a year, mostly on the weekends because I don't want to I don't want to miss those uh, you know those uh, Law and Order marathons. So, um, <laughs> so what it is, so what it is is you know, listen, I'm 71 and I'm still the envy of millions, Eddie. So if I complain, I'm a piker, if you know what I mean. You're 71 years old? God bless you, man. I never thought you. I didn't think you were that old at all. 71. Can you imagine my surprise? <laughs> but how I do you look? I, 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 go ahead. You go ahead. You go ahead. No, well, you know, you're out there still working. You're still singing. I talk to a lot of guys who get around that age, and they have trouble singing some of their old stuff. They can't sing like they used to i've seen some stuff i've seen you play live not too long ago and i've heard some stuff sounds to me like your vocals are all pretty much still there how do you feel about it at this age lady when you're with me i'm smiling give me whoa that's in my bedroom sitting on the bed sounds like they're all there well that was that that was a guy i hired to do all that <laughs> that was the fake backing tracks. <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah, it was the fake backing tracks that I that I carry around in, in a sample on my belt. <laughs> but I, on it, but seriously, Dennis, do you have? Do you feel like there's any things? I mean, it's it's not it's not no shame in it for the people that have lost a little something. But is it harder for you at this age? How do you feel physically? How do you feel vocally at seventy one? Well, you know. Eddie, I was just in California, and they told me out there that 70 is the new 50. Did you know that? <laughs> no. <laughs> I told, yeah, I told them you must have felt like crap when you were 50. <laughs> well, I'm oh, 53, listen, I'm 53 so I hope 53 is the new 33, Dennis. I'm going to go with that. Well, delude yourself any way you need. It's all the grand illusion, you know. So, uh, no, I told listen. For 71, I, I know a lot of people who, you know, listen, we're dropping like flies, Eddie. So uh, I'm here and I'm still singing. I can still sing like I always did, God willing. Nobody knows. There, there are no guarantees on, uh, on this planet. You know, so I, I'm just going like everybody else, uh, one day at a time. Because I, I tried going two days at a time years ago, and I got older a lot faster. 
<laughs> That'll happen. Absolutely. Hey, so the reason why your friend may have heard about us talking about you is, is that, uh, we, we got a bunch of calls from fans and listeners as they, they do to this show uh, that are out there watching bands and seeing shows that were all very surprised that your former band sticks uh, on their current tour are playing Mr. Roboto. So I'm sure that got on your radar pretty quickly. And what are your thoughts about that? Well, there are so many. I, I did a Facebook post when I, you know, after I had a day to think about it. I think essentially uh, the whole thing uh, that is to me a joyful experience is because look at Eddie. I love those guys. Okay, I don't care what they've said and, and, and thought about me. I do. Tommy and JY and Chuck to lesser degree because he's not around all the time. We went to battle together. We went to war. You know what that war is? The war against every other rock musician in the world to get to the penultimate, which means the top of your profession. We created together. None of that music was created by one person. People bring in songs. We collaborate. But really, the arrangements of all those songs were, were the collective minds coming together to make those records. And so the fact that they, after all these years of, you know, to say the least, Slagging it off and blaming it from everything, you know, everything but uh, uh, Ebola. Um, I'm happy they're playing it. It's um, it, it's it's because it's for the fans, Eddie. Let's not forget who the fans are in this whole situation. What happened back in 1999 when uh, Tommy and JY decided to replace me when I had gotten ill um, is that they 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 they, they, they by doing that, having that action, it split the fan base in a way that I could have never imagined and has broken my heart for these past 18, 19 years because what, what, you, what the result of it was, was people having to take sides. Why would they have to take sides? We wanted them, we were together, we were a group, we were a team. We wanted people to love sticks. Sure, if, if somebody loves this guy more than that guy. Oh, I like Paul more than, okay, good for you, rather than John. But, the, but the, the ultimate thing is it was a band. It was a real band with one name, a four-letter word, sticks. And so all this consternation and all this kind of chatter about, oh, it's bad, and it did this, and it did that, which has really got in to the culture, along with the song, Mr. Roboto, which has become, listen, millions of people like that song. I'm sorry. Do I have to apologize? I hope not. The only thing that saddens me, not the only thing, but the thing that saddens me the most is to read from time to time the comments about all of us, not just me, but Tommy and JY as well, where people have taken sides and, and spewed that vitriol on us as a group. It's just wrong. It's counter, counterproductive. And I think it hurts our legacy, which to me is the most important thing, because I didn't do this thing to be a flash in the pan, Eddie. I, I, I did this thing for one, to, to, have, to create something that will live longer than myself. And I think we've done that. But a lot of damage has been done to our fan base, and I regret it, and I've apologized to them. And a lot of times when people, I hear people saying these things bad about my, my former bandmates, I don't want them to feel that way. I don't want them to feel that way about me. Heck, we did this together. So the fact that Roboto was resurrected, okay, I'm happy from this one point of view. The song was different, but it was good. Millions of people liked it. Millions of people still like it. And I don't think we should apologize for that. 
did it surprise you that they started doing it? I mean, were, were you shocked when you heard that they put it in their set? Honey, would you get my chin off the floor? <laughs> Look, Eddie, come on. Eddie, I know you've had them on. I, I haven't heard it all. I just, when I heard about this interview, I, I Googled the only thing, I could, or YouTube didn't saw this brief thing about I, they were physically ill on the last tour. I remember some bad sushi in the dressing room, but I don't remember anybody being physically ill. Okay. Let me, having said that, I feel this way. Um, after all this time, I'm really happy that they've just come to the realization that this is nothing to be ashamed of, for God's sakes. It was an experiment. We tried it. The show was marvelous. It was fantastic. It was fantastic. I saw it. the guy came out with a robot. Then the guy sang. There was a movie. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was wildly entertaining. And I, and I just say, was I shocked thoroughly and totally? Because I believe, like so many of the, of the followers of the current band, of Tommy Six right now, people call it, they, they really committed uh, to the, those group of people committed to the idea that they should dislike this song and me at the same time. And I keep saying to myself, why, why, why do this? Does it make sense to me? So now I look at it and I think all those people have literally been thrown under the bus by this reversal of fortune because uh, we told, they, they told them one thing and now they're, they're playing the song. But really, I don't have any hard feelings toward those guys. I don't. If they call tomorrow for reunion, I've pushed it. I've said it for 18 years. I want to be in the band. I should be in the band. It's exactly what the fan base wants. You know it, Eddie Trunk. You know it. What well, there's else. Well, there's no question. I mean, you you said it, Dennis. You said it before, and I mean, I see this and deal with this and hear about. You know what I do with this show is. I want this show to be a, a place where it's the voice of the fans and that they get to give their opinions and talk about how they feel about the bands that are out there. And the situation between you and Styx is not, unfortunately, not unique. I mean, we have so many of these bands where there's divisions and there's there's two different versions or there's two different major players out there playing the songs. And it is hard for the fan base. I also find, though, unfortunately, that there's a segment of the fan base, maybe they're younger or maybe they're just such hardcore fans they don't know any better that they don't even know like in other words they just go to where they see the logo and that's what they they just go with that i mean that's why as you know bands go to war over name ownership because there's a lot of bands out there i mean foreigners been doing it for years they've been playing some shows with no original members for a long time so that that there's a bunch of fans that just like hey i want to go have a, a beer and go see this band and they don't they don't follow it all that closely and then there's that whole other segment that segment that you said very accurately is divided i mean when those guys were on when tommy and jy were on here they there were a few calls that came in asking about you and and it was clearly something they didn't want to talk about and i'm sure every time you do something you're going to people are going to talk to you about them and the the inevitability of can there be a reunion and all that sort of stuff so it does suck across the board because it does create this division both in the media and with the fans and with the members and everything. But it's not unique, I unfortunately. It. I hate it. I don't want to be part of that. I never wanted to be part of that. Let me just say this about the fans. 
Sticks fans, real Sticks fans, want a reunion. Overwhelmingly, it's not even close. I'm not saying there isn't a small percentage of the fans that follow uh, uh, Tommy and Jay Way that, that are hooked into the whole thing. Good for them. Why shouldn't they be? Those guys are talented guys. You know, Eddie? We created magic together. I don't look at them. You know, I defy anyone to go back and see anything I've ever said. I don't denigrate their music. I don't denigrate them ever. And you want to know why? Because I don't feel that way. It's what we created was sacred to me. You don't get an opportunity opportunity like that in life. So few people get it. We got it. We ended up in the same room. I, who knows what it is? It, we we ended up there. And we made that stuff, and that music has lasted. So, so what I say, the real Sticks fans that know the beauty and the glory of that music that was created essentially between 75 and um, 1983, okay? There would be such a, an outpouring of people who would want to come and see this. I know that. Promoters know that. They tell me all the time. And no, I don't, the only, I don't get questions from my fans that are really Sticks fans, about, you know, what's going on, when is the reunion? I don't really hear all that because they know that I'm, I don't have any say-so in that matter. So I, that, that responsibility is mostly on Tommy and JY. And I keep saying Tommy and JY instead of Sticks because it really is Tommy and JY. It is when was the last time, when, Dennis, when was the last time you talked to either of them? I think I talked in uh, either, 19, I think it was 1999. Oh, when wow. I begged, so, the last conversation I had with J.Y. was he told me that. And listen, J.Y., if you hear this, I love you, brother. We meant a lot to each other. You know and I know that when your style, the hard-rocking um, guitar player from the South Side and the guy who had melodic sensibilities came together and stood in the same room, the stick sound was forged. That's how it was forged. It was him and me. We started that sound. And then it was refined over the years. But I would say to J.Y. that um, this is, it's, it's just gone on too long. You can't find me saying bad things about them. I don't, I don't feel that way, Eddie. I just don't feel that way. And I want the fans to know if they want a reunion of the original guys, one last time, because I'm not looking to get back into the band, Eddie. Seriously, I'm not. I have a band. I make a... And hey, I make a comfortable living. You know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. I don't need to be back in sticks. But I think we owe it one last time for all those casual fans, the younger ones that you have just described to me, to see before we all fall over into the orchestra pit what that magic was like in the live setting. And so that's why I've been pushing for this one last tour. You know, to bookend it and help with our legacy, Eddie help with the legacy of what the band truly was. You know, the one the one catalyst here that I could see that could also help push this in that direction would be if the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame ever got its head out of its ass and put sticks in, as should be the case. And you know when that happens, that almost sort of forces, at least for one night, a reunion. It just happened with Bon Jovi, where they brought up Sambor and played a couple songs. So what are your thoughts about that? Do you think, is the Hall of Fame something that's important to you? And do you think that that could be a a catalyst for this? 
Well, I, I, they invited me there last time I played Cleveland last year, and they gave me the whole tour of the place. They couldn't have been nicer to me, which kind of shocked me. But let's face it, Eddie, I, I started reading up on you because I don't know you that well. You know, we went to prom together, but since then, nothing from you. No flowers, <laughs> no candy, no calls. But I started reading uh, your views on the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame are identical to mine. Go look me up on Facebook and see what I've written about it over the years. They've changed their whole manner of doing things. Because, as I've said, they ran out of people that were their favorites to stick in the doggone thing. So now they have to actually put in people who have done something, which is entertain and keep the, the, the world's music scene alive in their music for over 40 years. So, like you've said, and I've said, all these bands, Journey, you name them, you know who they all are, right? Don't you? You know. They're getting in. So I'm, think, I'm thinking to myself, I, 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 I'm not going to, you have to keep this between you and me now, what I'm about to tell you. Okay. And how many listeners do you, how many listeners do you have? Only like two or three, it's fine. Okay, so four of us know. Right. They, the person at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame said it's, it's not when, it's, it, it, it's not if, it's when. Right. So they were basically telling me they thought that there's a, there's a possibility that this is going to happen. Nothing would make me happier. Why the problem is the problem is the people the problem is Dennis the people that gave you that tour of the museum and who who were probably very gracious to you and took you through there and all that unfortunately they have absolutely nothing to do with who gets in and who even gets on the ballot there's the disconnect I found that out many times when I went there as well a lot of those people that work at that museum are just as frustrated as some of the fans and the artists who have been snubbed because they want bands like Sticks in there because they know there are passionate fans that will come there and turn that turnstile and help support that museum so there is a it's it, it's the committee that has to be, you know, on board with putting in a band like Sticks, and we can only hope that at some point they come around. Well, the committee's changing, and the person that I'm referring to was not just a tour guide. It, it okay. Was, it, was, it, was, it went up way higher than that, Eddie. And I don't want to tell tales out of school, but let's get back to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, okay? Um, does Sticks belong in there? How, how, how am I to judge such a thing? If I were to look at the last group of people that have been inducted over the last three or four or five years, I would say, well, you could make a case. <laughs> you could make a pretty good case yeah. that we could sit in there. Before that, they, they, the, the narrow band of um, thought process on what was respectable or not uh, for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, was, it was in the small hand of people. And I, as I've said be, before, Jan Winner, who ran Rolling Stone magazine, a very successful magazine, it was his thing. He raised the money. He got the whole thing going. And if he wanted to put in who he wanted with his friends, I understand that. He took the risk. He went out and did it. Let him do what he wants to do. Uh, do I agree with a lot of the choices? No. But then again, what they should do is change the name of the thing. And, and everyone would have to shut up, make it the contemporary uh, music Hall of Fame. And then, right. because the minute you put rock, and, the minute you define rock and roll, you define it, Eddie. Let me, let Joe blow down. The, everyone's got a different def- definition of it. You're bound to have people arguing and screaming at each other. So that's the problem with it. So now it's opened up its doors wider. I'm hoping we get in. This, this is the Eddie Trunk Podcast.
Hey, if you're one of the millions of Americans who suffers from muscle cramps in your legs and feet, well, relief is finally here, and it's called TheraWorks Relief. It is a topical foam that is clinically proven to relieve muscle cramps fast. Plus, with daily use, TheraWorks Relief can even prevent muscle cramps before they start, so you can get a full night's sleep or do the activities you love without having to worry about muscle cramps. TheraWorks Relief only takes minutes to apply it absorbs quickly and it really works i recommend it to my family and my friends theraworks relief gets results and they speak for themselves this is life-changing stuff and you don't even need a prescription theraworks relief for preventing and relieving muscle cramps try theraworks relief today and experience relief from muscle cramps for yourself Get TheraWorks Relief in the pain relief aisle at select CVS, Rite Aid, and Walgreen pharmacies, or by talking to your pharmacist. Learn more at TheraWorksRelief.com. That's T-H-E-R-A-W-O-R-X Relief.com. TheraWorks Relief for your muscle cramps. Hi, this is Ben Dominich, the host of the Federalist Radio Hour. We're a daily show coming to you five days a week from Washington, D.C., where we interview our nation's top journalists, politicians, authors, chefs, economists, entertainers, and more. If you're looking for a contrarian discussion on news, politics, or culture, give us a listen and subscribe at PodcastOne.com, the new Podcast One app, or at Apple Podcasts. This This is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Real quick on the Hall of Fame, one last thing before I forget. I should share this with you because I don't know if you know this. I was just there for the recent inductions doing a broadcast from there. And when you go through the museum, there is a touch screen for all the fans that pay to go in and see the Hall of Fame. And they are able to vote on the their favorite act who is currently not in the Hall of Fame that they feel should be. And the screen, the touch screen, displays the top 10 voted on bands. And Styx is on the list, fan voted. It's at number 10, but you guys, as of a couple months ago, were in the top 10 bands that fans want to see in the hall that are currently not. Def Leppard was at number one. The list also had Stevie Nicks, Radiohead, Janet Jackson, Iron Maiden, Meatloaf, Pat Benatar, Blink-182, Rage Against the Machine, and sticks. So you're you're very much in the conversation with the fans, that's for sure. But I'm sure you knew that already. I had no idea about that. But I, I, the only thing that, that, that trouble the only thing that troubles me about that is that, that we replaced nitty nitty gritty dirt bands. So there you go, right away. <laughs> they were eleven. So let me let me just say this to you. Uh, they said when I come to New York, you know, but I'm on the road and I'm home now. And my my bride of 48 years just had knee surgery last week, so. Uh, it was a terrible injury she suffered when she was trying to kick me in the ass. But she's recuperating. But I'm, I'm telling you this. I would love to come to your studio next time in New York, sit in there with you, and I'll bring a keyboard in, and I'll do, I'll do something for you. Please come in and sit in, and we'll take calls from the audience, and we'll have a whole show. We'll make a day of it. Uh, I'll, I'd absolutely like to do that. You're always welcome. I would absolutely love to do that. Now, before... I let you go because we've covered a lot of turf here. Let's talk about what you're doing now. You said you're going out, you're doing the weekend warrior thing, playing shows. Are you playing predominantly all sticks material? I know I was looking at your website. You had a, a 40th anniversary of the grand illusion. You did something with an orchestra as well, if I'm not mistaken. So let everybody know what you're doing with your current band right now. 
I'm 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 working with Robert Mueller. No, I'm not. Um, what I'm doing is I'm, I'm doing the Sticks Greatest Hit Show. I've been doing it for the last oh I don't know four or five years. Where I've got if you want to see this show, you can see it on YouTube, kids. You just go. I think it's Dennis DeYoung lot and the music of Sticks live in L.A. And there's like four hundred some odd thousand uh, views of it. it. It is the whole show start to finish. I did it for Access TV. Um, I think two and a half, three years ago. And it shows you what I'm doing. What I've done is I got a, a band together that absolutely nails the sound and the spirit of my former band. We go out there and we give what I believe the fan base wants, and that's all the great songs in one night. They don't want, you know, because admittedly, Eddie, in the beginning, uh, I, I wasn't doing any of Tommy's songs, which is, a, you know, it's a huge part of the show. And um, because I didn't want to put anybody on stage that would do a disservice to Tommy Shaw, because that guy is a talented guy. And Tommy, if you're listening, I love you, man. You know, and I know what we meant to each other musically. Just quickly, you want to know what we meant to each other musically, Eddie? Can I tell you? Sure. Are you ready, Eddie? Mm -hmm. The beginning of Blue Collar Man, that rip-roaring organ uh, thing in the beginning of Blue. You know that, right? Of course. I wrote it. You know the beginning of the Grand Delusion? Ba-da-dum-bum, ba-da-dum-beep, sure. the big compass. Tommy wrote that. Now, if you would ask anybody, like even you, Ed, who wrote what, you would have reversed those. Yeah, that's absolutely. What wow. That's what we meant to each other, Eddie. That's what a band does. They bring out the best in each other. So that's what Tommy and I did for each other when we were in that band. That's the truth. Now, what was the question? I'm 71. I forgot it. <laughs> No, I was just talking about your current band, and you said that you're playing uh, material oh, that okay. Tommy did for the for yeah. the first time. That's right, August Adler. I'm sitting in my house. This is just like out of the movies. Uh, I, I'm thinking uh, I'm making a personal change in my band. Some years ago, eight ten years ago, my my son Matthew calls me up and says, "Dad, go down and look at this thing. There is August Adler in L.A. playing in a Sticks cover band called Grand Illusion, and he is nailing Tommy Shaw." I looked at it. He's a rock star. He plays. He sings. He sounds like Tommy. You know, nobody is Tommy. Everybody knows that. But he just does an incredible job. So I called him up, put him in the band, and from that point on, we've been playing all the hits. You know, Lady Bay, Best of Times, Come Sail Away, Mr. Roboto, uh, Renegade, too, too Much on My Hand, Blue Collar Man, the, you name it. Every, every stick song that was big. We put it into like an 1820 song show, and people like it because it's really what the fan base wants. They want to hear all those great songs, and I don't blame them. That's what I want to hear. That's what I've been doing. That, and you know, um, I, have a, I have a side job where I do some uh, landscaping work. No, I don't. That wouldn't be that crazy though, but like you know, for some people, that's not out of you know. There are there are some that would be shocked to find out there are artists that do do stuff like that and have to. So I'm glad no, you don't I'm, have I'm, to. I'm, but I'm light, sensitive. I'm light sensitive, so I got to stay out of the spot. <laughs> <laughs> hey Dennis, let me ask you this because you you bring up an interesting point. You, so now with your solo band, you're you've got a guy covering the Tommy Shaw stuff, as you well know. Sticks has a guy for years now that basically plays the role of you in, in, in Lawrence Gowan. Have you ever seen or heard what he does? And I'm wondering your thoughts on it. 
Well, let me just say this. I've never said anything publicly, anything about Larry. I met him once briefly years ago. I think it was Quebec City. He backed us up. We opened the show for him by himself. He's a wonderful pianist. He really is. And he has taken on, and he volunteered for this, right? Uh, he's taken on a job that um, in many ways is thankless because the amount of uh, venom that is spewed on him, my heart goes out to the guy because really, really, I'm telling you, everything I've read and heard him say, he's a stand-up guy. He's handled this about as good as you can handle the situation. But people, Eddie, they're, they're, they're angry. They're not going to be happy with anybody. And as I've said a million times, Larry Gowan is the best Larry Gowan in the universe. Nobody's better than Larry Gowan at being Larry Gowan. The same as goes for me. I've been practicing Dennis DeYoung stuff for 71 years. Nobody sings this music like, like I do. I have never heard anybody on any YouTube cover band or anyone in the universe who sounds like me. Okay? They don't. And you know what I say to that? Here, listen. Steve, Steve Perry has like 12 guys who sound like him. They really do sound like him. Nobody is Steve Perry, at least back, back in the day. But right. nobody sounds like him. I don't, listen, when I first heard my, my, myself sing on those early records, I said, oh, God, who's going to like that? That doesn't sound like anybody. And not knowing that because I didn't sound like anybody else, that would be a benefit to me. So to Larry Gowan, I've never said anything publicly about you, my friend. Uh, you know, I have no ill will toward you. You're like me. You're like Eddie. We're guys in this business trying to make a buck. Isn't that right, Eddie? Yeah, of course. At the end of the day, I mean, when it comes to any replacement member, I mean, they're going to have to uh, sink or swim and make make it work on their own, and they're going to deal with a, a certain amount of blowback. and And then there's going to be the people that will will embrace them. I mean, in his situation, you mentioned you met him in Canada. It's interesting because I, I didn't know this, but apparently he had a big career as as a solo artist in Canada. It wasn't known here in America, but as a as a solo artist before Sticks, he was quite popular in Canada with some big hits. So I, I met. Adam seems like a very nice guy as well, and you know I have a lot of bands that are among my favorite bands that are again the situation with Sticks and yourself. It is not unique, unfortunately. There are so many bands that this happens to over the years. You can only hope that in the end, for the fans, that there can be some, even if it's for a night, even for if it's a tour, a show before it ends there can be some reconciliation to give everybody that last moment. There's a number of my favorite bands that I'm hoping for to be able to see that. And, uh, you know, I, I, I was a huge, huge UFO fan. And I think, he, I think Styx even played some shows with UFO back in the day, if I'm not mistaken. Is that true? Absolutely. I saw it with Schenker and what was the other, what was the singer's name? Phil Mogg. Yeah, yeah. No, good band. Good band. Yeah, people so, want to see that one more time. And well, you know, Phil... Sentimental well, well, to you, isn't it? It's. Uh, I want to see that thing that made me, as a young, as a young teenager, finally come out of the bathroom. Right, right, exactly. Because with Phil, he he just he's seventy. He just announced he's going to do one last tour and he's retiring. So I'm sitting here hoping, okay, I hope that means they're going to get Michael back and do it one last time. You know, the same with Kiss. They're talking about ending. I grew up a huge Kiss fan. I hope that at the end of the day, that means that they're going to get Ace and Peter back up there for at least one more show and give everybody that final great memory, whether it's a show or a tour or whatever. That's only logical if you're truly a fan of these 
these bands because as you said before Dennis the 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 great stuff there's a magic there's a chemistry there's something about those lineups which made it so special so it's not crazy to think or for any fan to think that that's something that they would like to see and time is time doesn't stop for anybody so we can only hope at some point that'll actually happen I know it's crazy Motley's not that crazy about crew what are you going to do <laughs> Motley Crue called it a day before they all killed themselves. <laughs> well, I didn't have that problem. But n- nonetheless, look, you and I know the truth. The truth is simple. We asked people to love the guys in the band. We did everything in our power to make them love us. Tried to make the best records, play the be- best concerts. And, and, and for many of those people, uh, fans, they want to see that. Because there, there is a sentimental... And also, they've made a commitment to that. And, and they feel cheated when they think they can see it. If someone can't do it anymore for whatever reason, it's totally understandable why other people will come in. Because the thing should go on if it can. But when, when, it, when in a situation like ours, it, it, it is possible. Last thing for you. Of all the songs that you've written, that you've sung, that you've been a part of, What's the one for you, Dennis DeYoung? What's the one that, at the end of the day, you're, you're, is your favorite and you're most proud of? I think "Don't Stop Believing" and oh, wait a minute, that's <laughs> journey. God, I wish I'd have written that song. I don't know what I was thinking by writing something else. If I could trade in Mr. Roboto for uh, "Don't Stop," well, maybe not. I don't know. Only time will tell. Right now, right now they're ahead. But um, uh, and a shout out to Jonathan Cain. Come on, get with it. Who and, just put? Uh, who was but, just on this show and just put out a great book and told all his stories about writing those songs? Actually, I talked and we ended up at, at backstage at a, at a fundraiser in St. Louis some years ago. I didn't even know he was from Chicago, for God's sake! And he played the accordion. How could I not know that Jonathan <laughs> was a Chicago kid and played accordion just like me? I thought he was with, with those, you know, with those near to wells out there in, in San Francisco. But no, he's from Chicago. So yeah. If you ask me seriously, the song, the one stick song. Well, yeah. I think it's got to become Sail Away because um, it embodies everything that Sticks was as a band. It starts out as a pop song, right? Just me, like Lady, like so many of our songs. And then uh, the, uh, the, the, the Marshall amplifiers line up at the door and jump, break, and they break the door down and say, hey, how come we weren't invited to the party? They come in. And then after we rocked it, then it went to this artsy fartsy middle section where you're you know you're drifting off this in, into space. This little kind of like I have to call the, the uh, fake prog stuff, and then back to the rock and roll, the good old American uh, rock and roll band on the end. And that's what really separated us from so many prog like bands. We were never a prog band first. At our heart, we were a, an American rock and roll band. Yeah, and a real, real good one that should absolutely be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and I hope that that call comes soon, and I hope that day comes soon, and I hope that might mean at least for a night we get a chance to to see you do your thing again with those guys. Dennis, I, I appreciate you taking the time. It's great to talk to you. I want to tell everybody to go to DennisDeYoung.com. You can see some video, some audio. There's a lot of great resources there about what Dennis is doing now, and upcoming shows for Dennis include this coming Friday, Oak Ridge, Tennessee, 
And then this coming Saturday, you're in Florence, Indiana. And then, like you said, you're doing the weekend thing. Then you're in Rockton, Illinois, Joliet, Illinois. All the dates are on DennisDeYoung.com. Like I said, video and links and all that sort of stuff. Dennis, you're welcome anytime. Should you come to New York? Absolutely. Let's set a date and uh, have you come and sit in. We'll take some calls from the audience and, and have a lot of fun. And I appreciate you taking some time today. Eddie, thanks for the chance of shooting off my big blabbing mouth. And kids, go to my Facebook page because I write all that stuff. You can read about what I think and feel. And and please like me because I'm needy. <laughs> Take care, Dennis. All right. I'll hopefully, hopefully you get a chance to see you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, my thanks to Dennis DeYoung of Sticks. Hope you guys enjoyed that interview. We are going to come back with interview number two on this week's podcast, Robin Zander of Cheap Trick, next. The Eddie Trunk Podcast. If you guys are looking to buy a car, you're probably familiar with terms like MSRP, and you might even know what it stands for, but what does it actually mean? Same goes for invoice, list price, and dealer price. It's enough to confuse anybody. All you're really looking for is a price that actually means something. Introducing true price from true car. Now you can know exactly what you'll pay for the car you want, including fees and accessories, before you even get to the dealership. True car dealers, they'll show you the true price on cars like the one you want, all from the comfort of home. And how do you know if your true price is a great price? Because True Car shows you what other people paid for that same car you want, and your certified dealers know this, so they set their true price competitively so they can win your business. So when you're looking to buy a new or used car, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Some features are not available in all states. New every Tuesday to Podcast One, Shenanigans with Sheena Shea from Vanderpump Rules. I'm very happy in Vegas, and I know I say I'm happy, I'm happy. I always say Sheena. that people don't even believe me anymore. <laughs> but yeah, you're like you're like the girl who cried happy instead of the boy who cried wolf. <laughs> to hear more Shenanigans with Sheena Shea, subscribe exclusively on Apple Podcasts, PodcastOne.com, and the new Podcast One app. Don't forget to rate, review, and leave a five-star rating. This is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Welcome back to the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Robin Zander of Cheap Trick dropped by my Sirius XM volume show. Robin at the time was getting ready to perform in Rocktopia, a show on Broadway that he since did. Of course, Robin Zander and Cheap Trick currently out on tour opening up for Poison. Saw them recently at Rocklahoma. They sounded great as always. Robin always looks and sounds amazing. So talented, so great at what he is able to do still at this point in his career as is Cheap Trick top to bottom. Let's get to it right now. Robin Zander of Cheap Trick, interview number two on the Eddie Trunk podcast. Good to see you, my friend. How uh, are it's you? It's good to see you again, too, Eddie. Did you make a deal with the devil? Is that how you did yeah, this? Yeah, it was at Budokan. Right after the show, uh, we bonded. You did? Yes. And what what'd you have to give? What did you have to give the devil to have eternally eternal youth, Robin? Hey, uh, I, I, I'm going to find out when I die. <laughs> Does he get all the royalties from the Budokan <laughs> record? something like that. All the women and all the, uh, I don't know. Was Budokan 40 years ago, Yeah, huh? 40 years ago this year. Wow, 
that's we're going to do a couple Budokan shows, I think, this summer. We haven't put it together quite yet, but we're going to do that. Plus, it's Heaven Tonight's anniversary, too. Right. So I know we're doing some Heaven Tonight shows. I think we've got about 15 of them. Where you'll play the whole record? Yeah. We've done that in the past. Yeah. But this time, it's just going to concentrate on Heaven Tonight. You guys actually do remember, I think it was in Chicago a um, number of years ago, where you actually did a show where you played, each night you played one of the first three records or something? Four. Four. We did Budokan that that night, too. That was our first show that we did, or our first four shows. We did that all over the country. We did the first album, second album, third album, all over the country. But that's the only show that we included Budokan, and that was the first show that we did all that at. Wow. You know, I talk about that a lot, too, and I reference that a lot because we have fans all the time that call up and talk about bands always with the same stale set list and every year it's the same songs. That's one thing nobody can accuse Cheap Trick of doing because you've played full records. Every night you're changing it out. Well, you know us. We we get bored easily. Well, you let me pick your set list. Yeah, you wrote our set list for us. Uh, I think it was here in Madison Square Garden or something, wasn't it? (laughs) It was in in, uh, Bethlehem, PA. Oh, At the Sands, yeah. I thought it was an important show <laughs> no you only let me do it in small <laughs> casino gigs no. you're not gonna let me screw up your big shows <laughs> but but that's really true i mean you guys yeah. and what i learned when you let me do one of those set lists and the fact that you can play full records and things like that is that you literally can the, the band can literally play anything that you call out i mean it's it's remarkable i, I said oh. to rick i go don't you have to rehearse he goes we don't rehearse no, we we only rehearse when we make records. That's the only time we ever rehearse. I mean, you have to learn the song, and you go in and you, you record it, and after that, you don't need to rehearse it again because you know it. But even as a singer, I mean, we see so many singers like, I don't remember the lyrics. They need somebody to write them down. They need a prompter. That's why they make prompters. If you can't remember the song, you, Do you use, use a prompter. One? I use one on some occasions. Okay. Only when I'm uh, doing something like... Stairway to Heaven or Cashmere. Or, no, I don't use it on them either. But um, I really I, – I appreciate a prompter because, uh, you know, we've got so many songs. And there's some that I just don't remember, you know. Uh, in my old age, I think it might have something to do with that. But You were just telling me that you got a new house because he didn't want stairs. That's right. So you are getting <laughs> – That you, proves everything I just said. You may look and sound young, but you're getting old inside, aren't <laughs> that's you, right, man? That's right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, it is, it's amazing. And the thing that's going on, and we're going to talk about what you're here to, to promote in a second, but the thing that's incredible about Cheap Trick, too, is you can talk about all the old songs. You can talk about 40 years since Budokan, yeah. but you're as active as ever making new yeah. music. Yeah. I mean, the last record was killer, and I, you're already talking about another one, right? Yeah, we're in the middle of writing it. We're about halfway done with it. Uh, I, we did this cool thing, though. We've got this uh, Lennon cover tune we did that's that we've just finished and mixed. Um, and it's just so apropos for the mood of the country today. Mm-hmm. It's Give Me Some Truth. Do you remember that song? No, I don't know that one. I'm sick to death of hearing things from uptight, short-sighted, oh, okay. narrow-minded hypocrites. Okay, All now I, I want yes. is the truth. Yes, yes. You're covering that. We're, we covered it. So now we're looking for somebody to play it. You have it now? No, oh. I don't have it on me. Oh, okay. But it's yeah, done. we'll send it to you. We'll play it. Yeah, play it, of course. yeah, because it's probably not going to be on the record. The reason for it was just to play it like on the morning shows, you know, on the radio, just to have. Oh. Yeah, or television even to have uh, MSNBC, for instance, or Fox Network. You know, sometimes in their segues they play music. Right. Bumper so, music. Yeah, bumper yeah, music. Yeah. So that's what it was made for. All right. But uh, we're all all right. Was the latest album. 
Uh, no, it wasn't Christmas album. Oh, the Christmas record. I forgot the Christmas yeah, record. The Christmas but the latest album. original album yes. was We're All All Right. Yes. Which had a, I mean, was a, tr- a great record. T- Thank I you. mean, and, and what do you attribute like this prolific output of music to? I mean, you guys are just pumping it out right now, and it's not just throwaway stuff. You're making yeah. really good records. How, well, the, why well, is the Bang Crazy Hello record was half uh, new music, and the other half were things that were in the closet that, we thought we should record that have been around for years. Mm-hmm. Some of those songs, you know, had been around for 10, 15 years. Even one song on that uh, Bang Zoom Crazy Hello record was one of the first writing sessions that we ever did. It was from that. So, uh, you know, we, we reached back in the closet sometimes to things that we thought, well, this maybe it was before its time. Right. <laughs> you know, we have visions of grandeur within our group. But uh, this last one, we're all all right. Was most it was all original uh, stuff, brand new stuff, and I don't know, you know, because you know a band like Cheap Trick with your history and the hits and everything, and there are bands that believe this. You could easily just rest on playing the old stuff. You could easily oh, yeah. not make new music and be oh, fine. Yeah, sure. But it's obviously still important for you guys to make new music. You're almost averaging a record a year right now. Well, that's just a personal thing with us. I think we like to record. We like to stay uh, creative, and uh, we get bored easily. Like I said, you know, we're we're a band that's always touring, of course. But you know, if we didn't record, I don't think we would enjoy ourselves so much. We wouldn't go out and tour. We'd probably end it. Really? Probably. And of course, as you said, you never not on the road. I mean, there's right. always shows. There's always something going on right. coming there's up. Always something coming up. A tour with Poison. Yeah, Poison and uh, Def Leppard in the fall, and uh, and Journey and. And uh, Joan Jett. You're doing shows with Def Leppard in Europe, though, in right? In Europe, yeah. Okay, so, but here in America, it's It's, it's poison. Cheap, well, cheap. we're doing shows here with Def Leppard, too. Uh, I think there's about half a dozen shows here. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, I didn't know that. Yeah. And um, who else? Uh, well, we go to Japan also this year. We go to Australia, Europe, like you said. And we're playing the Cavern Club. How about that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's so cool to me because all that? these years we've never done that, and that's going to be fun. Wow, I didn't realize it was still there. Yeah, well, it's not the original one. Okay, it's uh, but it's still cool. Yeah, and when you go back, when you play, you guys of course put Budokan in, on the map with the Budokan record. When how many times since in the forty years since you recorded the record, how many times have you played it? You've been you go back on a regular basis, or is it a every five ten year thing? That yeah, you go it's to Japan? an every five ten year thing. But we go back to Japan almost every year. But Budokan is different, you know. It's um, sometimes it's hard to get in there. It's still a wrestling joint. I was going to ask what because it's not really a music venue. No, right? it's not. It's, it sounds terrible in there. And, <laughs> you know, it's it's. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry to say, but it does. And it's uh, you know when we made that record, we hated the record. We thought it sounded like crap. It, the cover was crap. We didn't want anybody to see it or hear it, to be honest. And uh, look what happened. But you know? but in is it revered in Japan the way it is here? In other words, Cheap Trick at Budokan here is this iconic thing. Is it looked at that way in Japan? I think they're very proud of it, yes. Uh, I, I like to say that uh, Budokan made Cheap Trick, but we made Budokan. Right, yeah. absolutely. So when you go there and you play it, you play Budokan to this day, is it still a big deal? It's a big deal, yeah. For you and for them. And for everybody involved, yes. Right. And the all the old cats that were there in 1978... 
Uh, we always call them up and make sure that they're on the tour with us whenever we go back there, you know, because they really appreciate that. Even though they may, may be retired or whatever, the bus drivers and the load-in guys, we always try to use the same guys. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. Same promoter, too? Same, well, no, this, the promoter that we had in the first place died. Somebody shot him and killed him. Oh, my God. Uh, you know, I don't know. But uh, since then, the second time we went back, we've used uh, uh, the same guy. What was it like the first time you went back to Budokan after the Budokan record? Like, was it how long after you had recorded Budokan did you go back there? I think it was uh, 19 – we recorded it in 78, and I think we went back at the end of 79 or 80, something like that. So you did a – you got there – We did a follow-up. Pretty quick. Pretty quick, yeah. yeah. And uh, we toured the whole country. I mean, probably half a dozen cities. Yeah. And um, we do – you know, we have fun there. Yeah. But it's it's fun here too. Yeah, yeah. Well, you guys always have fun. It's a fun band. And the last thing I want to ask you because I want to I want to let the audience talk to you, and I want to talk to you, of course, about what you're here doing in New York. But um, I've said this all the time. You know, just recently, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductions happened for this year, just just last week, yep. week or two ago. And every year, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame comes up, yep. and there's no shortage of drama from yeah. who's going in, yeah. who should be inducted, yeah. who shouldn't be, who's doing the induction, yeah. who's going to show up, who's going to play, yeah. which guy does, doesn't play. Right. You guys, Cheap Trick, set the bar for the right way to do it. Yeah, and you, so. you absolutely deserve all the props for that because well, when you see all the bickering and craziness, yeah. You, you had an ex-member in Bunny yeah. who wasn't in the band. You yeah. obviously have well-documented differences. Yeah. You sucked it up. You stood That's there. Right. You played the songs, which is what the fans wanted for the moment, yeah. and you went back to your business. We even invited Richie Blackmore to be in our band for the show. <laughs> Mark Knopfler. <laughs> That's right. We said... Anybody that's not invited, come on, come on down, and we'll jam at the end. That would have pissed everybody off. But knowing all of you guys so well, I mean, I, I was not surprised that it went any other way yeah. because you get what the fans want, yeah. you get what it's about. Yeah. Was it difficult for you guys to go up there with the with with not Bunny at all. and play? I mean, Bunny is still a member of our band. I don't know. A lot, a lot of people don't realize that. You know, he gets paid and uh, has decision-making uh, uh, power still within our band oh, to really? this day. Yeah. He just doesn't go out and play live or play on the records. Right. He still gets paid as if he was up there doing it. Oh, good deal for him. Yeah. So it's, it works out for him. He's a happy guy. What did it feel like playing with him again at that? It felt great. Yeah. Yeah. He's playing all the songs just as fast as he played them before. <laughs> Oh man, I'm telling you, you guys set the the bar, the way to do it. Every band should take a note at what Cheap Trick did. You went out there, you delivered what the fans wanted for the three songs, yeah. and you and you made it work. And then you went about your business. It was the right thing to do. Yeah, well, Kid Rock it was great. I mean, his speech about us really—I'd never met him before, but he became my instant friend when he talked about us the way he did, mm -hmm. because it was really nice what he said. Uh, the bit about, you know, you can put your band together, you can work real hard, you go out and think you're the kings of rock, but then you go to see a cheap trick show and you realize that you really haven't really uh, conquered your homework when it comes to being a live band. <laughs> right. You know, that, but that, that was really cool of him to say that, and he didn't have to, you know, he was really good at it.
Right. Uh, and, and, thank and, you, kid. And and as far as the Hall of Fame in general, I mean, the whole experience for you, you, so many bands afterwards, they bitch and moan about this and that about it. It was, you know, you guys are all fine with everything. You mean Steve? Steve, Steve Miller. Yeah. <laughs> and others. No, I, I know Steve. Uh, our band loves Steve, of course. And our old manager, Ken Adamani, used to be in a band with Steve Miller called the Night Trains when they were in college. Mm-hmm. So wow. we have a relationship with him other than, you know, being musicians, just and knowing that. Steve um, tell you he hated the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame at that point or? <laughs> no, he, he. Well, I think the experience turned him off at the time. I, I think it had to do with getting tickets for his family or his, you know, it, it's to get a table's ten thousand right. dollars, you know, and that's what really got him. He didn't like that, right? And it was downhill from there. And others have said that too. That was yeah. one of the issues with Mark Knopfler with Dire Straits this year as well. Yeah. The financial aspects. Well, of it, you which know, fans I have to agree with them. Yeah, to I be honest. Yeah. But at the same time, I was so excited about being there after you know thinking, you know, giving them the finger, thinking they weren't going to put us there in the first place. You know, you know, the thing is, is you know, you're 25 years eligible. Five years after that goes by, and you're thinking, hey, you know, we, we got a chance. We can still get in there, you know, the Hall of Fame. Then 10 years goes by, and you're thinking, well, maybe, maybe not, you know. <laughs> then 15 years goes by, and you're thinking, screw them. They don't know what they're talking about right, anyway. Right. right, you know, and but then you get that phone call, and it kind of changes everything. Then, then all of a sudden, you're like proud. It's like, yeah, okay. They are smarter than I thought. You know? <laughs> <laughs> That's why I got so mad when people were saying this year about Bon Jovi had been passed over. It's about time. It's about time for Bon Jovi. I'm like, Bon Jovi didn't wait at all. <laughs> Cheap Trick, Rush, Alice Cooper, Kiss, they oh, yeah. waited. Yeah. Bon Jovi, what was that, eight, nine years? Yeah, That's Rush. Nothing. I mean, oh, my God. What? Moody Blues, who yeah, went Moody this Blues. year, like 30 years. Huh? And Bon Jovi fans were going, oh, man, it's about time. Yeah. I was like, you got to kill that narrative. Yeah, they didn't well... wait that long, man. <laughs> and I, I love the the... The argument is still going on because they call it the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame when you've got some other artists that never played that style of music in their lives that are inducted. Right. And, and But that's okay with me. But, I mean, I hear some of the fans, that's their biggest complaint. I don't know why they didn't just call it the Music Hall of Fame. I mean, what's, what's wrong with that? That would have made more sense, yeah. you would think. Let's talk about what you're here to talk about, which is the fact that we find Robin Zander now on Broadway. Hey, it's the Broadway Hall of Fame for me, <laughs> baby. <laughs> no. you, you are part of uh, oh, this week you're doing Rocktopia, I don't know what right? I got myself into, to be honest. <laughs> I love it, though. I, was, I feel honored that they asked me, and I couldn't refuse it. So I just said yes, and now here I am. And it, the, these people on Broadway are true professional people, and they're giving and wonderful people. You know, they're they're there to back you up and help you out. Uh, you know, they step in to help you, no matter what the problems are. Unlike you know, cheap trick in the rock and roll business, where they're there to step on you. <laughs> you know, <Right>. it's <laughs> it's uh it's pretty cool. So for people that don't know what we're talking about, because Dee Snyder did this, and he was here a couple weeks ago talking about it with Rob Evan from the show. He did a great job. Too, and and Dee just, just did it. The show is called Rocktopia. It's here in New York City on Broadway. It runs how long, Kevin? Another couple weeks? One more week. This is the last this week. This is the last week. Oh, you're the, oh. They saved the best for last. Clearly. 
clearly. <laughs> I told D that as well when he said, "I don't want to know." But but no. Um. So so this is the last week, and you have you done it yet, or is tonight your first time? I did time? two shows already. The weekend. Uh, I did oh, Monday and Wednesday. Monday so and Monday, Tuesday. Tuesday. Today's Wednesday. So you've got when does it end on Sunday? Yeah. So it runs, and you're through the weekend. Yeah. And how's the experience been for you? For people that don't know what this is, it's an orchestra and a rock band playing. It's a, it's rock a mashup. Songs. The whole show is a mashup of classical music, Beethoven, you know that sort of stuff with rock and roll, and uh, it works. It, it's wonderful. It's powerful. It's got a, a choir of I think thirty members, something like that. Choir, uh, an orchestra. Um, it you have to experience it because it's. It sounds kind of corny in a way, but it doesn't come off that way. I, I saw the show uh, Sunday night before my performance on Monday um, without any big rock and roll stars, but still, it's the same show. Mm-hmm. And it was just fantastic. The singers are, are truly wonderful. I mean, it's really something. And you do, what songs are you doing in the show? I got to sing Robert Plant. <laughs> come on, Eddie. <laughs> Jesus. Damn that guy. That fucking guy. And uh, this, now you he's know not why, only long in the tooth, but he's up there in the clouds. But now you know why he doesn't want to do Led Zeppelin yeah, anymore. Yeah, he can't remember the words either. <laughs> <laughs> or or sing, yeah. That's right, but I'll tell you what. I'll give it my best, and we'll see what happens. So what are you, you know. singing, Stairway? Stairway, um, doing uh, Cashmere, and uh, Aerosmith. Dream on. That's another guy, you know. What, what's up with that? And then but he can still hit the notes. Yeah, he can. <laughs> oh, I hope he doesn't watch this. <laughs> You've done a lot with Aerosmith over the years. I you think Tyler's going to beat this. you up? If he sees you singing He's Dream gonna on? He's going to spit on me, probably. <laughs> um, but then I get to do some, uh, I get to do a little journey stuff. Uh, That's with, not easy either. No, but I don't have to sing all that. I just do little bit lines. Okay. And then I do some cheap trick stuff. We do a mashup of Surrender and Dream Police, which is real cool with a choir and orchestra. You know? Well, you know, I, I was thinking about that because I saw you guys. I was just wearing the shirt the other day, so I know exactly. It was 2011. I went to Wisconsin, Pottawatomie, Northern the Lights Police Theater, show. and I saw you do Dream Police with the orchestra. Well, there. Uh, you know, the, who wrote those scores was Jeff Emmerich and his entourage for those songs so i had those scores and when they asked me to do this i thought well to save money and time i'll send those scores to the conductor and he loved me for it oh i bet i (laughs) bet so you but so you have even though you've never i'm sure done anything with an orchestra to this scale you have some experience singing over that sort of music right oh well uh, the scale that we had for the hollywood bowl was bigger than this oh really oh yeah oh okay that was that was the big scale uh, orchestra, right? Yeah, but um, you know the Sergeant Pepper stuff that we did, right, right. Um, but yeah, it's pretty impressive, <laughs> scary, terrifying, and impressive. Are you glad you're doing this? Yeah. Are you happy you're doing it? Yeah, I'm happy I'm doing it. I'm honored, really. I feel honored. And where do you come in in the show? Are you at the top, the middle, the end? I'm all over it. I'm uh, in the middle of the first act and the end of the first act, and then I'm in the first part of the second act, and then close the show out. So, I'll tell you, man, 
I mean, they couldn't have picked a better guy that I'd want to hear sing over this stuff. I mean, I'm serious, <laughs> well, though. I mean, Eddie, you can I appreciate still do that. It, Coming man. from you, that means a lot. It really we, does. We talk about it all the time. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, there are, you You know as well as I do, you tour with probably half of them, and you're, you're not going to say it because, you know, you're a class act, but there are yeah. guys that that, that struggle. They can't, well, everybody's got to tune down, and they, they can't yeah. sing certain things. There's only a handful, guys like you, guys I like- I can't tune down. I I can't sing in a half key. <laughs> I, I, I sing sharp if I did that. So everything that you sing with Cheap Trick when they play live, the original key. Yeah. Amazing. And you said you're 65. Yeah. Jeez, God bless you, I'm man. still the youngest guy in the band, though. Oh, you are? Yeah. Who's the oldest? I no, think... you're not. Dax is younger than well, you. Well, he's not a member of the <laughs> band, though. He's just a live player. <laughs> he if I included showing... him, I couldn't say that. <laughs> He started showing up in the picture, so I figured you're going to let him in a little yeah, bit more. Yeah, well, you know, okay, Dax, you're in the band. <laughs> All right, excluding Dax of the original four members, who's the who's the I oldest? I think Rick is the oldest. Rick or Bunny? I'm not quite sure. And then I think Rick is. Tom is second youngest? Uh, Bunny and Tom are the same age, I believe. Okay. All right. Well, you guys that, all- And that's really old. <laughs> I'm Sorry, con- guys. I was just. Kidding. I'm convinced you all made that deal with the devil outside of Budokan, and you need to send me that devil because I'm 53 and I need a deal right yeah, now. Well, I need to do something. Guy. You look good. Oh man! I said I got you, you, you sitting in here, and next hour I got Lenny Kravitz sitting next to me. Mm. I said I just put a, a a box over my head so nobody has to see me. You got two you two good looking guys. I got to interview. <laughs> Jesus. Well, tell Lenny all the best from Cheap Trick, and uh, you may see him yeah. on the way out. Yeah, he's uh, he's making his way in here soon. I think. All right, so here's what we going to do we got to we got to uh, and people still tickets for the remainder of this oh run? yeah yeah and they're selling up quick so you got to go out and get them quick where do you go to the is a ticket ticket telecharge. telecharge so if you're in new york city you're coming to new york city and you want to see robin sing with rocktopia you've got through the rest of the weekend to do it and go to telecharge and uh and get some tickets now my yeah. parents are going sa- saturday 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 oh, afternoon that'll be mr. cool mr mrs trunk will be there they're huge fans uh <laughs> And I would, I was going to go with them because I've been. Kevin's been asking me to go see yeah. the show forever, and my schedule has been bonkers. And yeah. I'm actually in New Orleans this weekend for Jazz Fest. Oh, that's probably better. Well, no, honestly, no, I know. It's uh, you know, I mean, it's I'd, a matter I, of priorities with you. It's a t- I'm doing a TV show, so I have to be. It's a work <laughs> yeah, thing, okay. so I'm I'm there for that. But well, if cool. I was in town, I would have accompanied my parents because they. But they're well, excited. They can, to they see can the give show. you the lowdown. You'll be there. I don't think my dad's going to say. You know, he was a little pitchy on Cashmere. <laughs> 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 He's gonna uh, say it was a great show. Uh, I loved it, and, and, and you know. So anyway, yeah. So I, 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 and this after this happens, Rocktopia is going to tour, right? Or it's yeah, gonna, they're going to tour. Would you go back and do more? No, <laughs> you're good. I'm good. You got your own band to tour I'm with. Good. Yeah, I got a band. Uh, you got this bad cheap trick. People heard of. Is he? Is D going to tour with him? I don't know. I think he wants to. Yeah, D was pretty amped up about it when yeah, he was here. I think he wants to do that. All right. We're not going to take it with an orchestra, folks. Yeah. Got to hear it. Yeah. few calls for you, Robin, before we let you get out of here into the uh, rainy New York City day here. Langley in Washington. Hey, Langley. Langley. You're on with Robin Zander. Hey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, guys. How's it going? Good. Hey. So, uh, uh, two quick things. Um, number one, I wanted to thank you, Robin, for surrender because it made me... Um, Develop an entirely new and honest relationship with my parents. Hey, how about you? Wow, that's a good thing. 
that I had not had before. That's a good thing. It, you know, it made me realize, oh, when the plaster is falling from the ceiling, I know what's going on with mom and dad upstairs. And they're real, they're real people. They're human beings. <laughs> Okay. Language. What is going on upstairs? Yeah, I was just going to say, is it good or bad? <laughs> they're they're shaking uh, the timbers up there. Langley, you got a question? Yeah. The second the second thing is, um, I grew up in Southern Illinois, um, which was way outside of the Chicagoland area. But any time that I heard a band from you know my state. It, it was a big deal, whether it was Sticks or you know, whoever it was. And I wanted to ask you, do you think that coming from um, the Midwest made a difference to your music as opposed to, say, somebody from either of the coasts? I don't think so. I, I was personally not really into Midwestern bands. You know, when I came up, I was more interested in the, the sort of British invasion bands. From the early 60s all the way up till even now, my favorite groups come from the UK usually. Was there a favorite Robin Zander band? Was there like your band? Was there one band in particular? Well, yeah, it was the Beatles. Right. They were my favorite band when I was 12 years old or whatever. And uh, but along when I say the Beatles, I also mean the Rolling Stones, the Kinks, and you know whole, those bands. And then a little later on, the Who, and then Led Zeppelin, and those bands. I mean, they're, they're the ones that made me want to get involved in the business in the first place. Yeah. Hey, he mentioned Surrender. Uh, Rick wrote that, right? He did. So, did, I, I mean, probably a better question for Rick, but do you know why he chose to say Kiss Records in that versus any other band? Well, I think it's because we had a relationship. When we first came to New York City, before we made any records, we played uh, Max's Kansas City, and there was nobody in the audience but about a half a dozen people, and Gene Simmons was sitting at the front row table all by himself. Mm. And he had heard through the grapevine somehow that Cheap Trick was a pretty decent band, and he was sitting there, and he threw a dollar bill on the stage after we got done playing, and Rick picked it up and threw it in his mouth and pretended like he swallowed it. <laughs> he threw a dollar bill on the stage? Yeah. Did you guys know him at that point no. personally? No, that's it's a weird thing first to do, met isn't the it? guy, yeah. It's weird. I know. Always Gene something with money. When he's know, giving it away, I know. taking it. I don't know what's know. going and on And then there. after that, he invited us out to dinner, and in the middle of the meal, he, he excused himself to go to the restroom, and he never came back. <laughs> For real? Yeah. But then we uh, we love Gene. He's like our uncle or something, you know? <laughs> Let's say hello to Chris in Kansas. Hey, Chris. Hey, fellas. Uh, thanks for having me on. Robin, just a couple things. Super yeah. quick. I don't want to take too much of you guys' time. I'm 35. I just discovered Cheap Trick, like, in the last five years. Um, people kind of told me I need to be listening to you guys forever, and I finally did start uh, listening. Well, thanks. Um, we appreciate that. to meet you. Yeah. Well, <laughs> thanks for a lifetime of awesome music I get to dig into. Um, my wife and I got to meet you uh, in Salina, Kansas, and you just gave us way more time than you needed to. Uh, and you, you're just so polite, and uh, we had a great conversation with you. We'll always remember that. He was just uh, telling me, actually, you met somebody in Kansas, and they just drained him. They said it was just brutal. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding, Chris. <laughs> yeah, that was completely up. Your I'm wife sure. was so beautiful, I couldn't leave. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the other cool thing I wanted to share with you was I have a three-year-old son. I'm eating lunch with right now. Awesome. 
And when he was being born, we had Rockford in our car. Oh, yeah. That we were listening to a lot. So on uh, the way to the hospital, we were listening to Welcome to the World. Oh, cool. That's that's and, apropos. Uh, that's apropos. Yeah, and right. Rockford was a good record of ours, I thought. Oh, I love, and I love, love, love Rockford. Yeah. Um, it's one of my favorite of your records. Uh, so we just profoundly connected to Welcome to the World, and every time we, we play it now, we think of our son Elijah. Well, good. I was wondering if you had any, other, any stories personally about... Uh, that song. Uh, well, again, that was a Rick Nielsen song, and um, I believe that he wrote that about one of his grandkids. There you go. Yeah, so it makes sense. Yeah, totally. And I heard Elijah crying in the background there, Chris, so I'll <laughs> let you go and, and tend to him as you'll be doing a lot of tending over the next uh, next probably 15 years, at least three. So All right, Elijah, Elijah, I'll see you at the show. Yep, there you go. Let's talk to Tyler, who's in Georgia. Hey, Tyler, what's up, buddy? Hey, Eddie, what's going on? Robin Sanders. This isn't Steven Tyler, is it? <laughs> yeah, no, giving you no. shit about Sanders. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> no, it's just an honor to talk to you. My favorite singer. In oh. rock. You, you are the best. Well, thanks. So, um, I, I had a real quick uh, point. Um, I named my daughter McCartney ah. um, nine years ago. And just to let you know, if we'd have had a boy, Xander was going to be his name after you. So. Just, <laughs> okay, well, I, I appreciate that. Means a lot. Thanks. Um, and just uh, real quick, um, how did you get the um, the gig with uh, for the song on Red Dragon Cartel, the Peter song? How did you um, hook up with Jake for that? And also, if there's one thing you could take away from the experience with working with uh, George Martin, what would that have been? And uh, I'll let you go. Thanks for all the music, man. Um, Thanks, Tyler. I'll take the second question first. Uh, George Martin was a true gentleman and uh, one of one of the most amazing men that I'd ever met. Musically, he had the ears where he could tell you the pitch of the telephone and what key it was in. Uh, he could scribe as you sang a melody to him. He could do amazing things I'd never seen before in a producer. He was just wonderful. He had great stories about the Beatles. We recorded in Montserrat, which was a, one heck of an experience. Did the mixing in in London at Air Studios. It was all shook up, right? Yeah, all yeah. shook up. You're right. Um, so he, he really influenced our, my life totally from the very beginning when I didn't even know who, you know, know him and... Uh, I can't say enough good things about him and his wife, Judy. She, I mean, it was wonderful to meet them and to hang with them. Um, Before you go to the, the Jakey e. Lee question, one more thing on George Martin, though. It's interesting to, that you talk about all that because I'm also a huge fan of UFO, a band I know you guys I, had a lot yeah, of touring with. Toured with them, yeah. And UFO did a record with George Martin. They did. And, and, the, and they were the first band to use that studio in Montserrat. They that's, did it there as well. No place right. to run. That's correct. So I've talked to those guys about the experience. And Phil has said to me that he was just – George Martin was sort of like sort of like dismissive about having to work with a loud, hard rock band like UFO at the time. And they would – you know, he'd be like – you know, Phil said he would say to them, well, well, how did they do it, meaning the Beatles all the time, to George? And he would mm. always just kind of look down their nose at UFO and be like – a lot more talented than you lot, yeah, you know, yeah. things like that. So they kind of, although they they loved the experience to say they made a record with George Martin, they didn't feel like he had a lot of regard for for them as a hard rock band. What what did, did I was can he, understand? Was he that. into Cheap Trick? Did he, he know the band? He or? he he, uh, he knew of us. I'll put it that way. Um, but 
We took it as his sense of humor when he would say things that were kind of derogatory like that, you know. It was like uh, we'd ask him the same questions, you know, what was it like when, you know, Lennon came in and said he didn't like the mix of this or that. And uh, he would say similar things like, you know, well, at least uh, he knew what he was talking about, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. You know, we took it as his sense of humor. Yeah, Phil said he would get real nervous because Phil was writing lyrics still in the studio before, while the songs were being recorded, yeah. and that he gave him a lot of grief about that. He's like, you got to be coming and preparing, you yeah. know. It's just like, oh yeah, he was they, like Father, Father George, you know, you know, he was kind of like that. But that's all right. I mean, some of us need a little direction in life. Yeah, and as Tyler <laughs> mentioned, you do a guest vocal on Jakey e. Lee's record a couple yeah, years ago, and on a song called Theater. Yeah. Uh, how did he, that come about? Well, he came to Big Three uh, through, uh, I believe, uh, Tom Peterson, who hadn't talked to him. Is that my phone you. again? Yeah, I think so. Holy cow. <laughs> I like sorry. the old school ring. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry about that, guys. <laughs> That's right. We're almost done. So Yeah. Um, my dog is dying, so this is probably that. Yeah, you were saying but I'm anyway, sorry, man. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I just wanted to say that, you know... Uh, that was a great experience for us, and we'll never forget it. Yeah, and the thing with working with Jake, that was just you, you oh, were yeah. asked to do a guest vocal? Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, that that came about um, through our bass player, Tom Peterson, and uh, he knew, he'd met Jake and knew him for a while, and Jake was doing a solo record, and he wanted to know if I was available to sing, and I said, sure, you know, I'll, I'll be happy to do that. You know, he's a great, great guitar player and, and wonderful songwriter, too, so, I mean, why not? Yeah, it was a cool song, too. Yeah, a great song. One or two quick calls left, and then we'll let Robin go. Dennis in North Carolina. Go ahead, Dennis. Hey, hi, guys. Thanks for uh, letting me uh, let me in, and what a great pleasure to uh, speak to you, Robin. Uh, by the way, we're going to be catching you in Bristol, Virginia. Awesome. Uh, yeah, you're playing uh, with Poison there, and then uh, you're coming down to Raleigh right next door to us uh, to play with... Uh, Leonard Skinner, and hopefully we can catch you there too. But yeah, you're doing uh, dates with Skinner too. Yeah, we are. God, you play with everybody. It's yeah, amazing. We're, the, we're the world's most famous opening act. Yeah, but you, you, but you, you can play literally with anybody. Like Cheap Trick fits with anything. It's well, amazing. it's uh, Skinner's friends of ours. We kind of know them from a long time ago, and that sort of thing. You know, yeah. Um, we helped them uh, raise money for the Fox Theater in Atlanta that was needed some repairs and stuff like that. So, you know. Uh, it's it's really a good thing, you know. It's a smaller world out there in the rock world than you think. You get to know these people from playing over the years, and we've been together a long time and played with just about every band on the planet. So, but that's what I've said. I mean, Cheap Trick is a band. The the the, the versatility of the band, and and it's a band that appeals to everybody: pop fans, yeah. rock fans, metal fans. I mean, Anthrax has covered like four of your songs. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's got such a wide appeal. It's 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 remarkable the amount of people you guys can play with. Well, we were just talking about Anthrax today and uh they're they're great guys you know wonderful guys uh, you heard their covers of some of your songs yeah uh alfieder zane yeah. i've heard that one yeah, yeah. i like their version better than ours <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure they're going to isolate you saying yeah, that and put probably. it in a press release <laughs> probably <right> now. <laughs> probably but no pearl they did big eyes recently actually. yeah yeah, yeah they did
Well, my thanks to Robin Zander and thanks earlier to Dennis DeYoung for joining me on this week's Eddie Trunk Podcast. Thanks to Katie Irizarry. She is the producer, as always. Social media, at Eddie Trunk. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, eddietrunk.com is the official online home. All my appearances on the homepage. Don't forget, listen every day on Sirius XM 106 volume, live 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern time for Trunk Nation, replaying every night 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern, and all shows on demand on the Sirius XM app. You just get a little taste of what we do daily here on the podcast that I do every day over on Sirius XM 106. And don't forget Trunk Fest, my brand new TV show debuting July 1st, 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time on Access TV. New episodes every Sunday, brand new series covering what goes on at music festivals. You guys have yourselves a great week. I'll see you next Thursday for another all new episode of the Eddie Trunk Podcast. And remember, if you're shopping on Amazon, start on my page, Amazon dot com slash shop slash Eddie Trunk. Have a good one. fans rejoice small town murder is now on podcast one crime and sports's james petragallo and jimmy wisman look at small towns what makes them tick and the murders that took place there in-depth research horrible tragedy and the host's comedic spin on the whole thing what can go wrong Ah! subscribe to hear new episodes every thursday on podcast one.com the podcast one app and apple podcasts life is a highway and on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.